3: We had a big win by the Golden State Warriors. They were never really in doubt throughout to take a pretty commanding 2-0 series lead against the Houston Rockets. series returns to Houston for uh, Saturday and Monday. we got a big gap between now and Saturday night when this game will be played. And then we go uh, to Monday when Game 4 will be played. The Rockets, I think it's fair to say, now uh, have to win Game 3 and Game 4 in order to make this a competitive series uh, and avoid getting uh, wiped out. The Warriors seem to respond well to all the controversy surrounding the officiating, all the talk that came out of Game 1, and uh, frankly, the Rockets did not live up to their end of the bargain. A couple of different, different injuries, Steph Curry gets a dislocated finger on his left hand, comes back, and... Uh, We have uh, James Harden getting poked in both eyes. Incredibly uh, red-eyed, blurry vision. Uh, But the Rockets are unable to get one of two in uh, the Bay Area. And so the Warriors now a substantial favorite, even if they weren't already in this series as the games return to Houston. Interesting series fact, these two teams have played 16 games and they are now tied Eight games apiece in the last two years. Uh, otherwise, we had the Bucs getting a big win over the Celtics. Big second half run from the Bucks uh, to uh, to wipe out the Celtics. And we had wins in the NHL by San Jose and by the uh, who else? The Columbus Blue Jackets to take two one series leads there in the NHL playoffs, which are thoroughly unpredictable. All right, we have got a fun final hour for you. Uh, I am going to do the anonymous mailbag here at the open of hour three. Usually we do it in hour two. Bit of a different uh, format here. 877-996-6369. You can call in. 877-996-6369. Double field your calls. Abbreviated version of the anonymous mailbag, which we usually do on Wednesday. And then... Uh, this is pretty funny. My eight-year-old, he's a second grader, had to do a bio project on a famous living person. So the kids, the entire class, they have to do a biography project on a famous living person. And so my second grader, who is, uh, let's just be honest, not the hardest worker in school, decided that he was going to do his project on me. Uh, which is ridiculous, on me, his dad. So he did a bio project on me. And I said, look, you are being such a slacker in doing your biography project on your dad. Everybody else is out there doing research, reading books, everything else. You're just asking me questions and then writing down my answers. I said, you're going to have to do a radio interview of me. I'm going to put you on the radio. You have to ask me questions. We're going to put you on the spot. And so we recorded this uh, last week. We haven't edited it at all. This is our Lincoln Travis, who is my second grader. He's eight years old. Interviewed me for his school bio project because I thought he wasn't doing enough work. So I put the pressure on him. He had to sit down in studio last week when we interviewed Derrick Henry. He got to meet Derrick Henry, and then right after that, with Dub there. He had to sit down and uh, and he had to ask me questions. Now, Dub, you've witnessed the interview. You're the only person who has. What would you say about the interview, Mike Wallace? asked, is this like sixty minutes? Well,
2: first of all, I'm just I'm just proud of him, man for uh for for taking the easy way out and interviewing his dad i mean that is something if i had the yeah, chance the school to do.
3: bio project where you get to do your dad <laughs> as a famous living person is such a cop-out that oh, uh, that i thought he needed to get grilled on the radio about it
2: no but i was there to witness it firsthand like you said and he he got he got some pretty good questions out there for you i think he he stumped you uh, a couple times here and there so it'll be a, it'll be a fun listen to hear on the radio
3: all right so let's go into uh the the anonymous mailbag here eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine abbreviated version but i think uh you will cue the music here and then i think we got a couple people lined up with some interesting questions cue the music boys
0: you've got mail mother- anonymous mailbag. If there was a problem yo i'll solve it
3: now for those of you who don't know the anonymous mailbag i write on outkick my website every single tuesday and so this is uh, the uh, the radio version. You can call in, ask any question that you've got going on in your life. I think I am uniquely well suited to answer questions. I think mean, King Solomon of the internet, King Solomon of radio, nobody is better able to solve problems than me. All right, Dub, who's up first?
2: All right, we got a couple lo- callers lined up. Let's start off
3: in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, what you got for me?
4: Hey, hey,
5: Clay, this is a. Uh...
4: This is Chris. Hey, uh, big fan of the show, Closet SEC, SEC fan, sitting up here in Pennsylvania. Hey, I'm really intrigued to come visit Nashville. From all you've been talking about and all that stuff, the NFL draft this week, last week, put me over the edge. Uh, I'd like to come down and see it. Your new bar. Um, I find out over the weekend, my son, my only, my son, my only son who's going to be married, um, have a bachelor party. He's going down there for his bachelor party. My question to you is, does Dad try and horn in on this trip so I can go down and see Nashville?
3: How many people are going on the Bachelor Party? Did we lose him? I think that factors in in a big way. I am Is he still there? I feel like I can hear him in the background. Hello? Yeah, you're still there. Let's just listen to him breathe and not answer questions. I don't even know what could happen here, Dub. Explain how this is possible, that I can hear him perfectly on live Richmond radio. Richmond there.
2: Richmond, I'm not sure if he can hear us or not. Obviously, he can't.
3: All right, so let's pause. All right, so I was going to ask him more questions, but evidently he's not able to answer. All right, so couple of things here. One, I think it depends on the size of the bachelor party. Uh, if this is like a um, you know huge group of – it depends on the size and the age of the bachelor party. If this is only your your son's friends, that is – and I have no idea how old your son is, but let's say he's 27 or 28, which is roughly the average age that men get married in this country. Let's say he's 27 or 28, and everybody that's going to be with him is between the ages of 25 and 30, then I think you can't go. You can't go to the bachelor party at all. Now, if he is older and or there's a more wide range of potential ages, then potentially you can go. Ultimately, it's your son's call, but I I don't think that I should go on my son's bachelor parties. Like, this is my position now. They're only 11, 8, and 4 But I think it would be weird if, like, the son went on the bachelor party, just like I think it's weird if, you know, your future father in law goes on the bachelor party. Now, if the bachelor party is something different where you're not going and, like, getting, you know, strippers and uh, where you're not drinking to excess and everything else, and let's say you're going fishing. You know, like you're going on a fishing trip and like you've chartered a a boat for a few days and I'm just using fishing as an example or you're just going and staying in a cabin and like you're going to be roasting marshmallows and hunting or, you know, doing something along those lines where it's just more of a male experience as opposed to like a party, then I think it's fine for the dad to go or the father-in-law to go. But in general, I'm anti this. I feel like, and I don't know if this is correct or not, but I feel like I see a ton of bachelorette parties, and I feel like the bachelorette parties tend to be wider age range. Is that a, is that a reasonable expectation? Like when I see Nashville is the bachelorette capital of America, did you guys see the video I tweeted of the woman complaining because she, she came into town and didn't realize <laughs> that, that? Yeah. Maybe we can grab that and play that to finish off Wednesday since I'm not going to be on Thursday or Friday. Somebody scroll through my Twitter feed and grab that 50 seconds. I think people would enjoy that who didn't hear it to finish off. But do you guys agree with me that the average bachelorette group, like when you see them out, is a larger age range on average than a bachelor party? I
0: would totally agree with you on that.
3: I think that bachelorette parties, by and large, tend not to be as wild as bachelor parties. And so, uh, I think men in groups are wilder than women in groups. So, uh, I, I think it depends. And Nashville seems to me like it's more of a party vibe. So, I'd probably say you should come down on your own. Uh, all right. Uh, what's What else we got, Dub? All
2: uh, right. We got Richmond, Virginia up next.
3: Richmond, Virginia. What's up?
4: Hey, Clay. Um, so, I've been with my fiance for five years. And... I'm going through. We have a three year old together, and um, she's dealing with uh, gotten really bad in the last couple years just alcoholism. Uh, I can't do anything with it, I can't get her to uh, get any help. Uh, she will sober up for a day or so, and she realizes that she's a lunatic when she drinks, but then it's right back to it. How often uh, does she drink? All daily, every day. She doesn't have a job? Uh, up to No, she can't keep one because she drinks four bottles of wine a day. It's all wine? Oh, yeah, wine. Chardonnay wine.
3: So she just drinks Chardonnay all day, every day. Now, the three-year-old, who takes care of the three-year-old?
4: She's with her, but she's a somewhat functioning alcoholic
3: so but she's in charge of your three-year-old daughter all day she stays home with the daughter and she just drinks bottles like four bottles of chardonnay a day yeah most
4: of the time by the, by the end of the night nine ten or eleven o'clock she's on She's had four bottles
3: and uh like she's at, with the girl by herself yeah like, does she drive around during the day or like i mean that's a lot of alcohol to be consuming what does she do all day
4: no, they generally just sit at the house and that's the thing that's my kids not being able to go anywhere. I drive an hour and twenty minutes to work, so I leave at five AM and I work seven to three thirty, so I don't get home till a little after five.
3: Yep. Yeah. And so uh like is anybody this is so how long has this been going on? Uh about
4: close to 2 years
3: did it start and, I mean, slowly like she up. would just she would has she always had a major drinking problem or is this since the kid was born
4: some of it is mo- the 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 big majority of it has been since she was born
3: so she started off slowly maybe like stressed from being a parent like a mom and she's having a couple of glasses and it just continues to progress to the point now where basically uh, she's going through bottle after bottle every day
4: uh, yeah and, who buys I mean, the Who buys first, the
3: Who buys the wine for her?
4: I buy it sometimes because she's had a seizure once a year and a half ago because she tried to stop. Um, so it's, it's a tight spot to be in. Uh, like she gets really sick if she doesn't have it.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's withdrawal symptoms. I mean, so does she have a uh, – what's her family situation? Is her family aware of what's going on with the, uh, the, the, the wine drinking?
4: Yeah, her mom's job is a lot more laid back than mine. So she's done several times taking off work and tried to help her. And then she's a raging lunatic to her, and she can't take it anymore. She'll bring her back. What about the parenting? I mean, she's a good parent. She doesn't take anything out on our daughter or anything. It's Does she acknowledge that she has a
3: problem with alcohol?
4: When she's sober, yes.
3: And so she'll start drinking Chardonnay at, like, what time in the morning? Like, 9 a.m.? Like, 10 a.m.? Do you know?
4: Oh, she takes it to bed with her. She takes a glass to bed with her. And, I mean... When she wakes up, she polishes that off, and some days she'll eat a little bit and then pour a glass so that she feels better.
3: All right. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for the call. That this is serious. I mean, it's dangerous. First of all, to uh, like leaving aside everything else, drinking that much alcohol is dangerous, especially if you couple it with watching a three-year-old. Um, who anybody who's ever watched a three-year-old knows, like things can go awry with three-year-olds in a hurry, and you need to be kind of in control of your faculties while you're watching a three-year-old because they can get into so many messes so quickly. Um, I think you, I think you have to get her if she acknowledges that she has an issue when she's sober. First of all, the the, the first thing you need to do is, I think you personally have to stop buying alcohol for her that would be number one so you cannot buy her alcohol anymore and I think what you try to get her to do is just start to go down in the alcohol consumption I mean what she should do is just stop because she's addicted and she is not getting better and when you're addicted to anything things in your life get progressively worse so what she should do is stop, quit told cold turkey. Some people can have handle alcohol, some people cannot. She clearly is someone who cannot. And so she is unable to restrain herself if she's drinking three or four bottles a day of wine. I mean, that is just an amazing amount of alcohol consumption on a day-to-day basis. And so she just shouldn't be drinking, period. Um, and so she needs to stop. Th- th- The question is, how do you get that to happen? I think there are a couple of different possibilities. The step that you should take is not buy her alcohol anymore. Okay. The second step you should take, I think, is this is dangerous for your three-year-old. So if she is drinking as much as you're saying she's drinking, and let's say your three-year-old gets hurt, can she drive her anywhere? Can she drive that kid anywhere? Can she get help? Probably not. So you need to try to get her to start drinking less. And it sounds crazy, but can you get her down to two bottles a day? Can you get her down to one bottle a day? Can you get her down to only drinking when you are home at least? So if you could get her to hold out, you say you get home by five. If you could get her to just not touch anything until five o'clock, how much more functional would she become? And then that's at least a small growth. Uh, in terms of her function functionality, um, that would be the direction that I would try to go. Um, and the challenge that you've got is you got a three-year-old who really can't tell you what's going on, and she's home by herself all day otherwise, so you may think things are getting better, but she may be hiding alcohol, which is why you're in a challenging situation because you're gone pretty much all day. Um, and so, man, I, I I don't know how to solve this problem, but I think... Um, the, you know, the easy answer is she needs to just quit. She's probably unlikely to do that. So can you get her to work back to the point where it would be a victory in your household right now if she would not touch a glass of wine until you got home around five o'clock in the evening? Uh, best of luck. Obviously, you mentioned her mom knows about this problem. You could try an intervention. You could bring in other people. Uh, but she's addicted. And uh, breaking the habits of addiction can often be very, very difficult to, uh, to reconcile uh last anonymous mailbag question what you got for me dub all
2: right we got texas to wrap things up
3: texas what you got hey, good morning morning what's up my man
5: so um
3: i want to uh, ask a question for, uh, of- i mean um, come on so i feel like i'm being pranked pause for a second and then let's start again can you just go directly to the question your phone's not working Yeah. All right. So much for that. I just, uh, I mean, the bane of my existence is cell phones
0: that are awful. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: dot com slash sports tire dot com the way tire buying should be
3: i'm flying to london tonight uh so i'll be out thursday and friday be back monday jeff Schwartz and jason martin will be sitting in tomorrow and uh shorts when's the last time you remember looking at the sports illustrated swimsuit issue
5: the last time i looked at it was ugh, i don't know couple years ago maybe I don't now are now. you
3: old enough to remember when it was a big deal like in a pre-internet pre-pornography is everywhere yeah. location are you old enough to remember when like the sports illustrated would arrive and the swimsuit issue was a huge cultural event
5: yeah i remember i mean uh, my I think my dad still has a sports illustration like the 70s in the garage and i remember he the swimsuit issues there yeah i remember all yeah every year I'd come out and that's the only time you got to see anything like that.
3: So they're shutting down ESPN the magazine. How much sure. longer do you think Sports Illustrated will continue as a as a magazine that comes in the newspaper like, you know, a print publication that yeah. arrives in the mail?
5: Probably not much longer because they they put their content online for free. Like yeah. like the same stuff you can read and and I read a lot of the, the articles they write. They're good articles, but they all come free now. So you know the article says well this isn't a print edition this week but i mean if you're going to give it to me for free then i'm going to read it for free online and i don't really i don't i don't have any public. I mean, we we have newspapers I subscribe to but i don't even get the physical copy of those i know you like to read the physical copy but we have um like i think i subscribe to like three newspapers or four and i don't and i just read them all online i don't there's no reason for me to ever have a physical copy of anything
3: yeah, I mean, look, I, I still get the hard copy of the newspaper, and sometimes I feel like such an old man. Like when I'm on the flight to, uh, to that London, guy? yeah, when I'm on the flight to London, you know, they come around to pick up uh, all of your 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 you know, waste products or whatever yeah. when you're on the airplane, and I always give like ten pounds of paper to the <laughs> to the flight attendant, and they're like, "What are you doing?" Like you know, like when I get on a cross country flight, if I'm going to L. A. for instance to go work at Fox. Uh, or coming back, like let's say coming back on my flight, I'll have the LA Times, I'll have the uh, New York Times, I'll have the Wall Street Journal. Sometimes I'll have the USA Today. Like all, because my one of my biggest fears is being stuck on an airplane without anything to read. You know, like I I read about those people like, oh, I had to spend 12 hours on an airplane. And other than, you know, having your kids with you, which would be utterly miserable and like your iPad, their iPads are running out, um, like being there and having nothing to do, like just uh, it terrifies me. So I always go on with a lot. But like if you have four newspapers and you hand it to the flight attendant, Uh, Like, I mean, it weighs as much as some of the flight attendants, right? I mean, like they're trying to fold it under their (laughs) arms and everything else. And so I'm one of the last people who still reads the print publication. And the reason I do it is because I find that I read articles that I otherwise would not because things that you're naturally going to read, like you click through on. But there's – I like the uncertainty of like, oh, I'm going to turn the page. What's on this page? Oh, that looks like an interesting article. Like I like finding something new. As opposed to, you know, just kind of finding what I would already find. And so that's no, why I, I read. That.
5: No, I understand. I know I keep a book in my backpack whenever I travel for the five hour delay. Like I never really read it, but it's just like it's in there in case we get really delayed. Yeah. So I just have something. If my iPad dies or my phone dies or the Wi Fi doesn't work and I can't watch a movie, whatever it is, I have the backup book always in my backpack.
3: All right. So my theory is that Daniel Jones may be the most over-criticized uh, draft pick in history. Uh, like, I understand he's went number six overall to the Giants, but I haven't seen a single media person say one positive thing about Daniel Jones. I mean, you would think this guy is the worst draft pick in the history of mankind if you didn't know any better. And if he had gone 17th overall, I feel like nobody would have even said a word. So we're suggesting that the difference in 11 spots is seismic. My argument that I came on and said Monday, and I've said it uh, you know, this week, is if he's good, nobody will care where he gets drafted. If he stinks, it also wouldn't matter where he gets drafted. Either way, the GM probably gets fired over it, uh, and that's the way quarterbacks in the first round go. Agree or disagree?
5: Well, I think there's many things at play here. I think one is the fact that Giants passed on Sam Darnold last year, who's better than Daniel Jones and just kind of seemed to make no effort whatsoever to replace Eli. And, and to then, your credit,
3: even as good as Saquon Barkley was, and he was the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, your argument was running backs are a dime a dozen. If you can get a transcendent quarterback, you have to get him, and you thought Sam Darnold was one.
5: Yes. or Josh, I think Josh Rosen can be one. I think Miami will be good for him. Um, but, but then um, you end up – so you pass on him, and then – you bring in Daniel Jones, who is uh, a guy that feels like an Eli clone, who is who is you know just kind of like an Eli clone. And I think people are like, "Well, you just drafted the same guy you already have." When Dwayne Haskins, too many people believe is better than him, is still on the board. And then for me, here's here's the way I look at this drafting. And I'm not, and I think Daniel Jones can be good. The problem is the history of the history of of quarterbacks. Like him getting to the NFL and succeeding is almost none. So you have a quarterback who was just okay in college, right? I mean, there was nothing he did that you're like, wow, this guy is an elite quarterback, right? I mean, we saw Dwayne Haskins and we saw Kyler Murray do elite things. Even Drew Locke, he has like an elite arm talent. He played in the SEC. We have a guy in the ACC who, against Power Five conference teams, was not very good. And yeah, you can blame drops. You can blame Duke. I don't really buy all that because Jared Goff went to Cal with almost no one who was in the NFL. Josh Rosen went to UCLA with almost no one who was in the NFL and was getting beat up. And so I don't buy that, that all the excuses. But when, when's the last time Clay you had a quarterback drafted this high or high high in general? I'd say top fifteen, top twenty, who was just okay in college, who turned out to be elite in the NFL? It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't I, to me,
3: Daniel Jones is very similar to Mitch Trubisky,
5: right? With with a much better coach of Chicago. And we don't even know if Mitch Trubisky is a league. Right, we I, I have game. no
3: idea. But that, that was my position Back on Mitch people. Trubisky yeah. was the Bears traded up, took him at, what, three overall? Yeah. Great. And it's still uncertain after two years exactly where Mitch Trubisky is going to project. Like, how good is he going to be? How healthy is he going to end up being? uh bear fans are uncertain i mean i i feel like that's a uh, that's a decent argument um i you know i think you could say uh patrick mahomes had a lot of on-field losses and that was the criticism of patrick mahomes when he got drafted where he did by the chiefs and certainly if you go back far enough in time you could say well tom brady was very mediocre as a but quarterback at Michigan. yeah correct but,
5: i mean I, but you know to your point about drafting six or 17 where you draft players matters because it's about finding value in the draft. So you draft Daniel Jones at six, that's a high-value prospect, just like Mr. Trubisky. So they're going to be they're going to be judged differently than if you draft someone later in the draft. And Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, those are outliers. Look around the NFL. Franchise quarterbacks are in the first round or the top of the second round, like a Drew Brees. Otherwise, you just kind of get lucky that you drafted Tom Brady. Russell Wilson wasn't supposed to play. Matt Full was supposed to play. Dak Prescott, really in their ideal plans would still not even be on the field right now. That'd be Romo's the quarterback. So you just kind of fall into those, you know, like the Panthers, I'm sure they, they, you know, they talk to Will Greer and everyone's like, well, he's the next guy. "Eh, Slow down here because that would be lucky if the Panthers ended up with Will Greer as the next guy to follow Cam Newton, which I don't think Cam has done yet. But so it's about value. So the Giants, overreach a little bit for, for a guy who wasn't better than Dwayne Haskins, in my opinion, and then also did not draft a quarterback last year. But I think more, more importantly, this is what it comes down to, is why I was criticized, is I think it feels like another Eli Manning. And, and it feels like a guy who's not threatening, who doesn't threaten Eli Manning very much. Because fans aren't very excited for him. So if Eli plays poorly against the Cowboys in Week 1, no one's going to call for Eli to be replaced. If he plays poorly in Week 2, no one's going to call. They don't, don't want to see Daniel Jones play. Who is Dwayne Haskins? The first time Eli had a bad series, the internet would be put in Askins, put in Askins, and there's no pressure to play Daniel Jones because no one likes him.
3: Uh, what did you think of the Battle of Winterfell?
5: Um, <laughs> I thought it was good. Do um, you know, by the way, that, that uh, our aria stunt double is like a, is like an Olympia, like a, like a, a gymnastics uh, Olympia from Utah? No, I had it no is. idea. We're, yeah, we're, we're trying to get her on my to 12 radio show. We, we uh, put out a, a request for her. Um, the best part about the whole thing was, our, it was Macy Williams had an interview where she said her boyfriend told her it really should be John Kill the Night King, shouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Incredi- incredible, it's an incredible line. I thought it was good. Look, I, I came into it expecting to be there to be a big battle. There obviously was a twist, but it's interesting because the people that read the books, like my brother. Are like super upset that we didn't learn more about the Night King. I mean, the guy had never talked. Yep. All he did was kill people. We know his origin. Like, what did you expect that him and Jon to have a sit down conversation before they had a battle? I don't know what. I I what thought something
3: interesting was going to happen between Bran and the Night King, and we got. I nothing. thought so too.
5: I, I think there's still an opportunity. I mean, there's still there's still what six hours left of, of of the show where Bran can explain things. i mean I'm hoping at some point he does explain, and that's his job. Right? I mean, the rave is just. From off to nowhere in the middle of the show. I mean, I don't know what his deal is, and maybe he knew Arya was going to kill the Night King. But I was hoping that we would get something, and maybe we still have an opportunity. I, I will reserve judgment. The one thing I also didn't like is no main characters died. I mean, if you're gonna have an entire battle like this, at least you got to kill somebody. I mean, Jamie has one hand, and he's fighting off ten <laughs> dead people at a time, and every scene he survives. I like, guess not. Like Samwell is overweight. Never fights and he survives. He's like in a pile just stabbing dead people to death. Like, yeah. come on, man. Like, like at least like, give me someone to die. I mean, we had a, a bunch of people. Yeah, some people die but they weren't main characters. I mean, Theon, I guess, is a main character, but he had long periods of the show where he wasn't on. So I just thought that was, I know it's unrealistic to talk about a show where it's dead people are fighting, but um, I thought that was... It was it was a little predictable. You know, John, you knew that John, when he was fighting all the dead people, the dragon would come save him. I mean, there was some predictable stuff. I, I, I was enjoyed by it. Um, I just, I couldn't see anything. My TV, I guess, was not bright enough. I don't no, know, but that was it was frustrating worth it. That was frustrating was for worth. sure.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis, weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Valiant Microphone issue. But unsuccessful attempt on Clay's crown. Colin Cowherd was denied. It bums me out. Game of Phones. Episode 4. The bane of my existence is cell phone coverage. A family who sat out the epic battle last week now sits and waits for the final war. Call now and receive... Dan Patrick and the Dan Nats. Joining us now is Russell Wilson, the Seahawks quarterback. I had my first touchdown pass ever. <laughs> wait a minute. Mo- move your move your phone a little bit there, Russ. You're uh, you sound like you're underwater. okay now? Travis. No doubt that anyone could dispute
3: that anymore. Yeah, let's call let's call back Wetzel here as we lose him for a sec on the uh, on the cell phone.
0: Patrick. Your wife could have more opportunities in New York. Can you clear that up? <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is part of. Uh... Thank you, Russ. Hey, <laughs> the Dan Nats. Uh, yeah, Paul. We gotta call our people up at ATT. <laughs> Travis.
3: Yeah, we're here.
0: I swear to oh, God! You can hear me, Clay. Talk! Speak! I'm trying to,
5: Claire. I'm sorry. I apologize.
0: There will be bloodshed. Hello? Game of Phones. It's a white guys fighting phone lines. You hear me okay now? There, right there. That's good, okay. Don't move. <laughs> I, I, I...
3: I uh, can only imagine. That is really well done. Game of Phones spreading. Dan Patrick, Colin Cowherd, Clay Travis. All failing. Miserably trying to talk to people on the phone.
0: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Welcome in, outkick the coverage. We have a special guest this morning.
3: He is my second oldest son, Lincoln Travis. He is eight years old, he is in second grade. And Lincoln, you had to make a decision to do a biography of a famous living person and tell everybody out there who you picked.
6: Clay Travis.
3: So you picked, you could pick anybody in the world, and you decided to do a biography of your dad. Now that (laughs) seems a little bit, (laughs) that seems a little bit. There's probably some other kids out there listening and everything else. That seems a little bit like cheating because you get to do a story about the person who lives in your house and your dad who you know a little bit. So uh, so why did you pick your dad? Why'd you pick me?
6: Because you're my dad. And it was easy? Yeah, basically. <laughs> all
3: right. So uh, so you, I told you, okay, well, if you're going to pick me, first of all, did you learn anything about me in doing your research to do the biography?
6: Uh. Well... I learned that you started your own website.
3: You knew that already, probably. You didn't know that, all right.
6: I I knew you did the show out kick the coverage, but not.
3: You didn't know about the website. Nope. Did you learn any new words?
6: Uh I learned
3: Controversial? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think your dad is con do you know what controversial means?
6: Uh I know what controversy means, but not controversial. Okay,
3: what does controversy mean?
6: It means when you're getting in a fight about something and there's a lot of hate about what something or somebody did.
3: Do you think that your dad is contra- con- creates a lot of controversy? Yep. You do? hmm Does dad create a lot of controversy at the house? Sometimes. Who rules the house? Mom. Yeah. Does dad get to make any decisions at home? No. <laughs> All right. So you, I told you when you decided you were going to do an interview, I mean a biography on me, that you were going to have to interview me uh, live on the radio, right? I said, well, okay, you're not going to have to read books. It's not like you're doing a story on George Washington or Abraham Lincoln or somebody, you know, who you have to do research on. So I told you you had to interview me, right? Yep. And so I don't know these questions, but you have come up with questions that you want to ask me live on the radio, okay? So yep. uh, so again, people out there listening, this is Lincoln uh, Travis. He's my eight-year-old son. He decided to do his biography project to end the school year, by the way, who's your uh, who's your teacher this year,
6: Miss Isom?
3: You like Miss Isom?
6: She's really nice.
3: Who are her favorite teams?
6: Uh, she likes the Vols in college, and then the Titans in the NFL. So
3: yeah, she likes the Tennessee Titans. And she
6: likes Texas A&M
3: because her she has a family member there, right? Her
6: brother uh, coaches there.
3: Her brother coaches there. All right. So this is for Miss Isom's class. We're doing an interview because you had didn't have to do a lot of research. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what questions do you have? for me. You can start with your first question.
6: When did you start liking sports?
3: I have liked sports for as long as I can remember. Uh, The first game that I ever went to was Tennessee played UCLA and I was younger than you uh, in Neyland Stadium in Knoxville but for my entire life uh, I've liked sports. The first game I ever watched by myself was uh, the um, Sugar Bowl between Tennessee and Miami. Back in 1986, I was by myself. Your grandpa went to that game down in New Orleans with some of his friends, and I was excited to watch it. And Tennessee won 35 to seven. So I've been a huge sports fan ever since then. Let me ask you this: You watch a lot of sports with me. Yep. What do I do when I watch sports?
6: Well, if your team gets whipped, you rage. Yeah. If your team's winning, you shake. If it's like a get close excited. Game. Yeah. Yep. And then if they're creaming them, you're like, great play.
3: Yeah. Does dad ever use any bad words when he watches games? Yep. Yeah. You're not supposed to say those bad words, right? Nope. Yeah. You know where I learned them? Your dad? Mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mom told me all, <laughs> taught me all of them. Um, so, you know, your mom's got a really dirty mouth. She's got <laughs> to watch out. Um, so, uh, all right. So, second question. What What's your next question?
6: What was your favorite football player at age eight?
3: When I was eight, when I was in second grade, good question. When I That's a good... I don't know. I, like I said, I hadn't seen these questions. You're stumping me. I'm trying to go back in time to when I was eight years old. Uh, when I was eight years old, my favorite football player was probably Eric Swanson. Uh, he was a wide receiver for Tennessee um, back in the day, uh, number 27, I think. Uh, and so he was the first football player that I really liked. And then also... There was a Tennessee running back, University of Tennessee running back, named uh, Keith Davis. When I was for baseball, my favorite players by far, I was a huge Eric Davis fan because I used to watch the Cincinnati Reds play, and uh, I really, really loved Eric Davis. So he was my favorite baseball player. And then I also loved, when I was a little kid, Bo Jackson and Michael Jordan. Those were my oh, yeah. all of my favorite uh, favorite athletes when I was your age, when I was in second grade. What else you got?
6: uh
3: what was your worst mess up on air worst mess up on air uh i have said naughty words a few times (laughs) accidentally not very many times that we're not allowed to say on the radio um fortunately knock on wood i haven't ever had to do anything where we've had to like uh really apologize uh for what we said on the radio or create any kind of real problem there Uh, But you were just watching me interview Derrick Henry because he's your favorite player, right? Yep. And what did you catch me doing?
6: So he was introducing Derrick Henry, and he said, Alabama quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner. And I was like, wait, Derrick Henry's a running back. So he finished the interview, and I'm like, Dad, I think you messed up when you were introducing Derrick Henry. And then we play the review of the um,
3: of the interview. We went yeah, back.
6: And we went back, and it turns out he did say quarterback, and I stumped my own radio amazingness. Dad. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Dad got it wrong. You caught me. I was trying to get the ad read in, and I said Alabama quarterback Derrick Henry instead of running back uh, Derrick Henry, and you caught me. So we had to go back and fix that. Um, what other questions do you have?
6: Um, What is your favorite interview you've
3: ever done? Favorite interview that I have ever done? Well, this one is ranking right up there because it's pretty cool to have my one of my little boys on the, the radio. Um, but my favorite interview that I have ever done, man, you know, on this show we had Hugh Freeze on, uh, the former Ole Miss coach who's now coaching at Liberty, and I thought he was really, really good. One of the interesting things I think about doing radio interviews is is it's more about the answers you get than the questions you ask, because I can't control what people say in response no, no, to no. questions. Like,
6: yeah, not how they did. Like just your favorite overall. Like you're the best person you've ever done, and like the most ex- the most excited you've ever been to do someone.
3: The most excited I've ever been to do an interview. Man, I don't know. I you know we had uh, Christian Okoye on. Um, and I used to be Christian Okoye was long before you were born was a really really good running back for the Kansas City Chiefs and I used to play a video game called Tecmo Super Bowl um, and it's like Madden before there was Madden if you can believe that or not yeah, I can yeah you can believe that and uh, and so uh, I uh, I got to meet him and I thought that was pretty cool so uh, meeting people who I am fans of is uh, is always something that when I was a kid that that Phil was really cool and he's you know, it was a really good running back, but I got to interview him and I was very excited about that. Okay. Uh how much how much do you like playing Madden, by the way?
6: Uh well, I haven't played it in my a uh, while because my big brother, he's eleven. He always plays Fortnite and so I never get to play Madden. But when I did, I would just draft a team. I would get Derrick Henry, max him out to 99, max all my players to 99. Then I would throw Hail Marys every play and win like 130 to 17.
3: Yeah. Who's better at Madden, you or Dad? Me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You
6: threw picks every time we played. Yeah, Dad threw a lot of interceptions.
3: (laughs) So Dad is also coaching your Little League team, right? Yep. How would you say Dad is as a coach? He's also helped coach basketball other sports but what how would for people out there listening right now what would you say as a player dad's biggest strength is as a coach
6: well if i were to give you on a one to ten i would give you an eight Uh your biggest strength is probably fixing things that we've messed up on because like we always need that and you're really good at that because like you're always watching And you're not like some other parents who just don't watch the game and they're just focused on their phone, looking at Twitter and stuff. Yeah. And then they don't watch the game and don't fix it and then their team's awful. Yeah. But you just spend time off your phone, even though you kind of have to be on your phone a lot. Yeah. And you spend that time to watch me play and fix my mistakes.
3: Okay. So in eight, what do I do badly?
6: Uh, sometimes there's a mess up or, well, this happened once, like. Maybe a year ago, uh, it was like something, and you messed up on telling me what to do, and so the play was wrong. Yeah. and we lost because of that. But then otherwise, you've been very good at like. Everything.
3: Who do you think would be better at little league coaching, me or Nick Saban?
6: Oh well, probably Nick Saban because he can he coaches college and he's probably an expert on coaching, and he's won like six, nation, what, six, six na- national was six national six national championships, which. I mean, he's not a baseball guy, but he could probably lead us to a championship.
3: Does Dad get mad?
6: Sometimes, sometimes if we mess up and like it's a play that we know we could have done better, he gets kind of raged.
3: <laughs> uh, all right. So, what other questions do you have for me? Why, why? By the way, a lot of people asking right now. Why are you? Are you still an Alabama football fan?
6: Uh, so, I have switched to Tennessee, and Alabama's my second favorite. Why so, did you
3: switch to Tennessee?
6: Because it's way more fun to be a Tennessee fan, because everybody there's way nicer, and there's more fans that are there, so.
3: Yeah. Are you a Titans fan? Yes. Yeah. Uh, what did James Franklin tell you? Um, I know you're a big, are you still a big Nick Saban fan?
6: Well, I'm not a fan. Well, I'm a fan of Nick Saban. Yeah, but I'm mostly a fan of the players.
3: So James Franklin is a, a Penn State coach, mm-hmm. and when you told him that Nick Saban was your favorite, that Nick Saban was your favorite coach, what did he ask you?
6: Oh, he asked me. <laughs> Actually, he was like, "Your favorite coach, you know, should be your bud James Franklin up here," and I was like. Okay. Well, so and then
3: he said, right, I mean, he tried to argue. He said, have you ever met Nick Saban?
6: And I was like, yeah, I did.
3: Yeah, you got to shake his hand. Yeah. And then he said, well, have you ever swam in Nick Saban's pool?
6: I was like, no.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And so is James Franklin your favorite coach now, or how would you break that down? Well,
6: I've, like, Penn State's not my favorite team. They're probably my third. Yeah. But, like, on coach, like, I've met him the most, and he's really fun to hang around with. Yeah. So probably, yeah.
3: Yeah. All right. What else? Do you have any other questions you need to ask me?
6: What was your best little league play you've ever done?
3: So, when I was playing little league baseball, uh, I uh, struck out the final batter to win the league championship. When I was probably nine years old or so, I was a pitcher, might have been 10, nine or 10. I think I was in uh, fourth grade. So in 4th grade I struck out the uh, uh the the uh the other side to win a league championship. And then w- and then when I was around your age I also played Little League All-Stars and we came in second or third in the state at the 10 9 10-year-old, you know, boys age.
6: I have made All-Stars two more times than you.
3: Yeah, you're a better baseball player than <laughs> I was.
6: <laughs> 3 in a row for me.
3: Yeah uh who is who is uh meaner in the house mom or dad mom yeah
6: dad usually lets me sleep with him so we get to watch games and stuff
3: yeah we stay up late and watch games together don't we yep yeah well th- i think these are good questions any other questions that you have on your list
6: okay this one's gonna you're gonna is <laughs> gonna be hard for you who's your favorite kid that you have
3: <laughs> <laughs> well i have three boys right yep um i have fox who's my oldest i have you fox is a fifth grader i have a second grader and i have a (laughs) four-year-old and uh what do you think my answer is going to be me no it's not the answer is not you uh the answer is i like all three of my boys it has to
6: be one particular
3: no no parent is going to tell you that they have a favorite (laughs) kid one day hopefully you have kids of your own and you'll understand who's your favorite brother
6: nash yeah (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> why do you like your younger brother more than your older brother
6: nash thinks he's my dude and so we always play and he likes playing basketball in the backyard with me otherwise fox is just kind of a jerk so yeah he tries to bully me and stuff
3: yeah um all right well is he getting better or worse worse really yep oh okay well um well we'll see if we can re- rectify that um all right anything else is that your last question Yep. Anything else you've thought of during this interview?
6: No. You're good? Yep, I'm good.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts.